0: You're listening to Rabbi Daniel Lapin On Demand.
1: The Blaze Radio Network.
2: On Demand.
0: The more the world changes, the more we find comfort in the things that never change. This is Rabbi Daniel Lapin On Demand on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, where I, your rabbi, reveal how the world really works. And one of the ways in which the world really works is that there has to be a legal system in operation for society to function. It's one of the reasons that the societies that have been successful over the last 2,000 years— Societies that have uh, been stable to some extent and certainly wealth-creating have all been societies that have had viable uh, justice systems. The reason is because it is simply not possible for human beings to live together without having misunderstandings, uh, arguments, debates. And when these involve issues of uh, uh, money, uh, damages, etc. There needs to be a mechanism for resolving them. There's got to be a mechanism that people have faith in. People have a common agreement to be bound by these systems. That's why it is so terribly important, and that's why a good deal of America's success over the last few hundred years has been because of the Constitution and because America Adopted many of the principles that were already in place in England, such as the fact that a person cannot be destroyed uh, on the basis of one accusation, even if that accusation came from the king himself. That's what a system of law meant. Where did it come from? Well, uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 17, verse 6. By the words of two witnesses or three witnesses shall he that is worthy of the death penalty be executed. Uh, then, further on in Deuteronomy chapter 19, verse 15, one witness may not rise up against a man for any violation or for any sin uh, that he may have committed. Only by the words of two witnesses or three witnesses shall the matter be established. And those two verses formed the basis of jurisprudence in the area of both criminal and c- areas of criminal and civil law. Uh, this is something that is embodied in our constitution, along with the presumption of innocence, which again is uh, something uh, based on ancient Jewish wisdom, which is that uh, there is a presumption of innocence. In other words, if you want to take away someone else's innocence, if you want to accuse him of something, the burden of proof lies on you. Uh, We don't ask the innocent person to defend himself um, first against, you know, he starts off with a presumption of innocence. Uh, These things are fairly basic. And these are things uh, in our Constitution to which every uh, senator sitting on the, in the United States Senate has sworn to uphold. Nonetheless, when push came to shove, emotionalism and political expediency took precedence, and we saw what happened on September the 27th, 2018. I don't usually mention dates on this show, But uh, I am doing it today, and I'll explain a little further uh, just why that is. But for now, what I want to do is uh, go right into an interview with no one else than my wife, Susan. So let's jump right into that. I usually do not tell you when exactly this show is being recorded. And the reason for that is that um, what I speak about is invariably ancient Jewish wisdom and the implications of ancient Jewish wisdom on current events, uh, the principles and timeless truths of ancient Jewish wisdom, and how we can employ those in order to better understand what's going on around us. However, I... I'm going to mention that we are taping this show on September the 28th, 2018. And the reason I'm telling you this is because the, um, the interview, the, uh, the case against Judge Brett Kavanaugh in front of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee uh, occurred yesterday, and it seemed to absolutely grip the entire country Uh, almost anybody that uh, my wife Susan and I spoke to during the day was following avidly what was going on, usually uh, in a state of some upset. Now, I don't think that we've had my wife Susan on this show yet, and if not, uh, it's high time that we did. Um, Yesterday was a very difficult day for her. Uh, She tends to take some of these things very, very deeply. Um, Susan, thanks for being on the show. I'd love to do this more. I mean, we really ought to do a few more, I think. I mean, I'm going to get responses from <laughs> folks who are going to uh, say, yes, it was a good idea to to bring your wife on the show. Or others, other people will probably say no, You because we have this on the TV show, right? Most We're,
1: people, we get the, Rabbi Lappin, your wife interrupts you too much, to Rabbi Lappin, you need to let your wife speak more. <laughs> I love it the way the two of you interact, and I assume this will—that—that tends to be the the bulk. All
2: right, so so that's that's what's going to happen this time as well. And folks, as always, we love hearing from you. Best way to to reach us is uh, through our website, RabbiDanielLappin.com, and there's a place there for you to write to us. I also very much appreciate the huge number of you who responded to my request last week that you tell me what countries you're listening from. And uh, you can't imagine what my world map looks like now with pins plugged in in um, in a huge number of countries. It's really quite remarkable. But anyway, uh, let's go straight to the uh, Kavanaugh hearings, and let's relive a little bit of yesterday, Susan.
1: Well, I wasn't the only one I know in tears because I was instant messaging with a number of friends. Um, we were getting WhatsApps from kids of ours, and I – You were very rational, and you said you were upset by it, but you also said there's nothing I can do today, so I can't let it throw me so that I'm not doing the things I should be doing. I let it throw me, and I think, quite frankly, most of the women I know let it throw us because we were crying, and it's very hard to be crying and still carry on with your daily obligations. Um, It did. It hit me deep in my stomach and as as i was crying in the morning this was while i was listening to her testimony not because i was saying to myself oh my goodness it's true it was the whole spectacle of the of the thing um and i want to make clear not that i wasn't saying oh she's lying and i wasn't saying oh she's telling she's this is exactly what happened i was just it was the spectacle of the whole thing by the end of the day i'd already and i knew it at the time i knew that it would pass and I would come back to feeling more optimistic. But and I think Judge Kavanaugh said that during his opening remarks, he said he, he's usually an optimist. Well, I'm probably usually a pessimist, but he said he's usually an optimist, but this was making him question whether this I, I don't want to put words in his mouth, whether it was whether the country you know, or what trajectory it's on or whether it can survive. Well, for me it was like watching an honored um, and respected Elder, maybe a parent, maybe a teacher, who you really look up to, um, just lying in a in a dung heap. That's how I felt. And, and the elder is America, America and its Constitution. I felt, I felt embarrassed for America, and embarrassed for our Constitution, and embarrassed for the people who've given their lives so that our system can continue.
2: Um, you wrote your musings, okay, and folks. If you're not reading Susan's weekly musings, um, you probably should. It's one of the most popular things we put out, um, largely because it's so clearly from her heart. I try my best not to be emotional on the show because I personally feel that in order to give you maximum value for the time that you invest in listening to this show, uh, you don't need to hear me venting my personal frustrations or pains, or for that matter, joy or jubilation. I try as much as possible to give you uh, intellectual ammunition. But um, uh, Susan's musings are very personal, and people like it. So you can either subscribe to get it sent to you every week by going to our website, rabbidaniellappin.com, Uh, or you can just go to the website and read the current musings as well as each of the previous weeks as well but can uh, i can i just
1: add a little plug here just one plug because a husband who shall remain nameless of mine um if you can figure this out for yourselves then so be it but volunteered me at some point to do a second group of posts on parenting and homeschooling and i have just started that and um so i just wanted to let people know about that it it the holidays sort of made it get off to a slow start, but I will be having, and if you know people who are homeschooling, people who are interested in raising families, um, I encourage you, I don't send that out on a weekly basis. You sort of have to look for it. And it's mentioned on, um, on most of our mailings, it's mentioned the, most, the latest topic, but I just wanted to throw that out since you did, or sorry, someone basically promised that I would do that, and I am now doing it. I did want to let people know about it.
2: That was another shameless commercial plug on the <laughs> Rabbi Daniel Lappen Show. But uh, you 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 very often used to substitute for me on the radio show. I did. when uh, Whenever I was traveling. We did that because the radio show was on a fixed schedule. It was a live show on KSFO in San Francisco and KTTH in Seattle, some other places. Uh, and so whenever I was in an airplane when the show needed to be recorded uh, you did that and uh, and i remember at the beginning you used to feel very you felt that you needed to walk with walk around with a paper bag over your head afterwards
1: which is ridiculous since it was radio not tv but um yeah it was very stressful first of all you're on a timing you have to fit into the commercial breaks you're responding to phone calls that are coming in so you're you're needing to process what's coming out of your mouth, and at the same time, there's a, a producer telling things into your ear, and there are things written in front of you. It was really stressful. I mean, I spent the three days after each radio show saying, "I'm not going to be talked into this again. I am not going to be talked into this again." And then I did do it again because I actually enjoyed it.
2: <laughs> it's a little. Is it like having a baby? I mean, do, do you sometimes no. say after having a baby, "I don't want to do this again"? No. No, you never. You never had that. During
1: labor, I I would be – during labor itself, I would say, I have forgotten. how could I have forgotten how hard, how painful this is? But no, not.
2: Okay, good. Uh, Well, I'm pleased that uh, you're you're joining us on this because you were just so intense yesterday. So let's start off with why you wrote that music and why you entitled it, I'm Watching America's Funeral.
1: As I said, because uh, I felt this was very painful to see – the Consti- In my mind, the Constitution being shredded, and as I say, I knew I would feel better later in the day, and later in the day, I could look back and say, hey, we've had lots of times. Someone was caned on the floor of the Congress over slavery. You know, we this is not, we we were not a, uh, we were not always an upright. There's been a lot of corruption. There's been a lot of scandals, and so we'll get through this as well. But first of all, the, the level of ignorance of Americans is very troubling, and I, I tend to think that in many, many cases, the higher education level you achieve, the more ignorant you are. In other words, there is a process of advice and consent that is constitutional. That does not mean that Supreme Court justices are supposed to be open to voting the way presidents or senators or congressmen are. Do I like the person? Do I agree with the person's principles? That's not what advice and consent is. And so the level of ignorance that... In, in my mind, the uh, – and it was the Democrats, you know, had come out saying, I oppose this guy. It wasn't their constitutional right to oppose him. Their constitutional right was the same as – we don't do this in Jewish weddings, but you kind of have well, – um, does anyone object uh, to this man taking this wife or something? Right? You see these in old movies. Or there used to be bans that had to be published. That wasn't so someone could stand up and say, hey – um, she's a shrew. I think she's going to make his life miserable. I better tell them. Or, you know, I've seen him lose his temper sometimes, and I don't think this is a good idea. I think she could do better. It was that you were supposed to come forward to say, he's got a wife in another state. He's a bigamist. Or he's a felon. This is, In other words, if you objected to, if you were, you had one of those objections where you're supposed to stand up and say something, it wasn't your opinion. It was because there was something real so the, and tangible. the
2: leftist tribe would interject now and say, but Susan Lappin, uh, there was something terrible. Right, so
1: that's what they got to hear, but they... They had – you know, it, it wasn't – you can't be divorced from what they said from the second his name was announced. And you know what it was said before his name was announced. Those were pre – those could have been pre-written things. We will oppose them with everything we, he, we have. He's evil. In other words, that – from the very beginning, it was not an advice and consent. And look, I am not happy with some of the Supreme Court justices that were put into place during President Obama's – Time, I abj- I think they're harming America with their rulings because there's a dispute as to whether the Supreme Court is supposed to adjust the Constitution or follow the Constitution. There
2: would be Sotomayor and case Yes,
1: but I am proud in many ways, even though I may have been annoyed and I, viscerally, I'm emotionally, I was upset. They were right to be approved because, as the president, unless there was something that specifically, obj- um, you know, was of the level of Of the equivalent of bigamy in a marriage, that—that is all the advice and consent is.
2: Um, Now you're sounding very calm and very rational. Now, (laughs) relive, relive some of your emotion. I don't see why I have to be the only one to have had to go through this with you yesterday. I think all our listeners should get a sense. Of, well, because uh,
1: I was, I was crying because I really felt it was an embarrassment to America that it had come to this. And it was more
2: I, you, you, were saying this is the end of the country
1: because it's because, you know, there, there was, there's a lot of. Well, I knew I would stop feeling that later on in the day, even as I was saying it, and I wrote that. Look, but in
2: this, you're right. I mean, countries very, very, very seldom go out with a bank it's very hard to find cases in in history of of countries just vanishing with a bang an exception is you know when Nazi germany in, invaded austria or invaded czechoslovakia or invaded po- uh, belgium or france yeah they sort of ceased to exist with a bang but but ordinarily it's a long decline and so what you were probably feeling is what i was feeling as well which is that this was a very significant step on the sad downward slope, that America was sliding into oblivion, uh, something from which it would be very difficult to, to, to emerge from because this was going to set a new pattern, a new, a new standard. Low, a new low. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, yes, that this is not what we're supposed to be in. And the the whole destruct destroying a person. And also, I it's very – I'm – I don't know. I mean, I really do. I look around, and you have millions of voters, and I am engaged, and I still—I myself don't know what's the truth and not the truth. In other words, there is so much lying and one-sidedness and bias. You know, I have a life. This isn't my life. Being a political commentator is not my life. So I do not spend 12 hours a day going and actually analyzing— whether it's things that support what I believe or things I'd like to be true or things that I, I'm appalled and I'm desperately hoping that are false, I don't even know what's true or false anymore because the, the media, newspapers are have have admitted that they now have agendas. And there was always yellow journalism, but there was always a counterbalance. And, and the, the, just the ability, uh, it's scary to see young people because you're – You know, young people, when they took over under Mao or under Stalin or under under Hitler, young people are passionate believers. And we are raising a generation of truly ignorant, manipulatable, um, what what was that phrase from Stalinist fools? Um, Useful idiots. Useful idiots who are physically, I, I, I am worried physically, I'm worried that there will be, and there have been, physical attacks. That's a scary thing. So I am worried.
2: Um, bef- rather than me mm. tell people about the closing days of an offer on our website, uh-huh. uh, why don't you?
1: Okay. So we have really been... Um, those this is, you- by the
2: way, another shameless okay. commercial plug on the Rabbi Daniel Lapin
1: Well, those of you who have stuck with us through this month, if you've been a, a listener or a reader of our material for years, you know this happens. <laughs> it happens Um, Every single year, there is a month of just about holidays. Uh, I mean, not just about holidays, a month of holidays. No, help me phrase this. A month where just about every other day is a holiday, or there are lots of holidays, and we close on those days. Our store and our office. And if you have been with us for years, we appreciate your patience, because we know that for most of you, these aren't holidays you've even heard of, let alone know about or observe, and if you're new this year, and I hope you didn't, you know, if you came in a month ago, really this does end. It's not 12 months out of the year. It's one month out of the year.
2: It's the Hebrew month of Tishrei, which always falls sort of September, Octoberish. It's about it's 30 days in that period. It, it slides around a little bit, but um, it starts off with the first two days of the month are Rosh Hashanah, the, 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 the head of the year. The 10th of the month is Day of Atonement, the Yom Kippur. Uh, the 15th through the 23rd is uh, Tabernacles or Sukkot, and uh, we happen to be right in the middle of that while we're taping the show And they right each now. start
1: in the evening, so even if we were open during the day they were closed that evening, it gets very confusing. So we always feel like we have to offer a, a token of gratitude to those of you who hang out. With us over this month, and what we have done, we've done this many years, is we put our library packs on sale. Now, our library packs we have two the complete library pack, the complete library pack plus. The difference being that there are three books by other authors. The library pack is material that my husband and myself have done, it includes audio CDs, books, videos, but DVDs, but the complete library pack plus has another three books that we think are really important or or fun. And so we put both of those, which are already incredibly discounted. If you would buy each of these items separately, it's, I think, 21 and 24 items, somewhere around that. If you would buy them separately, it would cost a tremendous amount more. But we discount it. We put it together as one package. And we we put that on, on sale very often this time of year as a thank you. And... Um, let me just tell you: at some point, if you are enjoy, if you enjoy Thought Tools, you enjoy Ask the Rabbi, you enjoy the podcast, or my musings,
2: or or the TV show. The
1: TV show. You're eventually going to want all these things, and you really can save yourself a lot of money getting it now. If you already think you, you know, sometimes maybe you want to split it up and give some of it as gifts. Some maybe you have one or two, and you want to give the rest as gifts. It's just a great time to get it. And we are heading into the last holiday Sunday night. Monday night, Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, when we reopen our store Tuesday night, when the holiday ends, the sale will be gone. So this is the last chance to get either our complete library pack or complete library pack plus at a big discount. And gosh, we all need help. I mean, we really, really, really need biblical wisdom and godly wisdom to figure out how we should be running our lives today. Because so much of what we're hearing is up op- is the opposite that I really um, I encourage you to get it. I think I really do think it will add value to your lives.
2: So, that of course at the website at rabbi daniel uh, That's where you go for it and uh Let's take Oh, just
1: one more thing cuz there's free shipping in the continental United States on this <laughs> on these packages. So it's really a super deal cuz it's expensive shipping.
2: All <laughs> right. It is. Okay, terrific. It's uh, it's always fun back doing to, this with you. But back uh, uh, what we're we'll going to do is we're going to take a quick break. Okay. Um, then I am going to uh, You get to ex- talk
1: on this show also? <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, I get it. And then but then right after that we go back to you, okay?
1: Well, uh, to us.
2: To us, yes. Right, I mean, yes, including you to us. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, That is true. Okay, great. The Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, and uh, back in just a moment.
0: The Blaze on Demand. The Blaze on Demand. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin.
2: Hi, I'm Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and Retirement Curveball is a book by a finance expert that I respect, Dr. Tom McPhee. Whether you are thinking about retirement, are already retired, or have never given the big R even a thought. Now is the time to welcome the contents of this book into your mind. The book is filled with compelling aha moments and will motivate you to make some highly effective changes in how you manage your money and your life. I know Dr. Tom McPhee and his terrific book, Retirement Curveball, and I do recommend it. Get the book at retirementcurveball.com or
0: on Amazon. Welcome back to Rabbi Daniel Lappin On Demand, only on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: Back we go to the Rabbi Daniel Lappin Show, and uh, as always, I greatly appreciate your participation, and I also very much appreciate the help you've given me in promoting the show and helping spread the word of the show. Whatever you do in that regard is is very, very much appreciated. Okay, so what can I add? What can I tell you? that is of value there is so much going on right now about the uh, the supreme court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh uh, you cannot open a newspaper or turn on a radio or a television without hearing somebody else saying something on the topic and i am in that sense uh, going to do the same in today's show ordinarily i do not discuss current events Because I want you to be able to get some value from the show whenever you hear it. It's one of the differences between a podcast and a radio show. There's less purpose, less reason for the radio show to be topical in in that sense. It can be what I like to think of as evergreen, something useful to you, providing shade, providing uh, some form of window into reality, no matter when you happen to hear it. But obviously... Uh, This is something of a significant event. But instead of just talking about the event, what I want to try and do is provide a perspective on it that uh, is perhaps a little different from that which is uh, being put out already and uh, something which I hope might be useful to you. I think step number one uh, is to recognize that uh, there really is something going on. Um, I think of it as America's real war. I wrote a book with that title, America's real war. And it is even more true now than when I wrote the book a few years back. The uh, argument of America's real war is very simple, and that is that uh, there is a struggle in America today. Uh, However, it is not between people of different skin color. It's not between people with different sexual organs, and it's not between people of different bank accounts. It is between those people who view the Judeo-Christian heritage as vital for our nation's survival and those who view that Judeo-Christian heritage as an unfortunate and lamentable obstacle to progress. Now, the important thing that I I bring to this discussion is the declaration that this is not a war between religious fanatics, dangerous religious bigots on one side, Jews and Christians who take the Bible seriously, oh, watch out for them, and a benign secularism on the other, that looks out for everybody's values and looks out for everybody's interests and provides a comfortable, secular, democratic environment that is safe for everybody. No, 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 no. That's not the struggle at all. The struggle is between two opposing and incompatible belief systems. Judeo-Christian tradition, on the one hand, and on the other, 21st century progressivism. You've got to understand it is a religion. And like many religions, but it it probably bears more resemblance to Islam than anything else in terms of its absolutism and in terms of its uh, willingness to kill infidels for its own primacy. Um, It's important to remember Uh, About a year ago, you might remember Senator Dianne Feinstein interrogating another nominee to the court. In that case, it wasn't the Supreme Court of the United States. It was the Seventh U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And the judge who was being um, uh, interrogated by Dianne Feinstein, an embarrassment of a senator, uh, her name was Amy Coney Barrett. She was a law professor at Notre Dame University. She was nominated by uh, President Donald Trump. And uh, uh, by all accounts, in my view at least, an outstanding choice for the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals. And the shocking thing then was Senator Feinstein uh, lambasting this woman about her Catholicism. Yes, she's a serious, committed, observant Catholic. Yes, she is. And that, in the mind of Feinstein, was a disqualification. I kid you not. That's how it went. And uh, uh, actually, the phrase that Senator Feinstein used, which stuck in my memory and haunts me uh, to the present day, is that uh, when... When uh, Amy Coney Barrett, the law professor, insisted that while she absolutely was a committed Catholic, there is no way that those beliefs and that commitment uh, would shape her judgments and her decisions on the court. And Feinstein, uh, Senator Feinstein, I mean, that these people have the audacity to preach to individuals like uh, Judge Coney Barrett, who is – what a superior woman she is to the uh, disappointing Senator Feinstein. But Feinstein says to her in response to uh, Barrett's statement that she would not allow her beliefs to intrude upon her decisions from the bench, Feinstein sort of sniffed at her and said, well, the dogma lives loud within you. Isn't that an extraordinary thing to say, the dogma lives loud within you. That's kind of what you say when you're about ready to um, issue a death penalty on a witch. The dogma lives loud within you. Gosh. Now, there is a 21st century progressive um, who you've got to understand is the representative of a religion as much as Judge Coney Barrett is. But I have to tell you that the religion of secular progressive fundamentalism is far, far more dogmatic and more dangerous than the religion that has its headquarters in the Vatican in Rome. There's no question about it. If I, God forbid, have to fall into the hands uh, of someone who's angry with me and out to get me, And one of them is a believing, sincere Roman Catholic, and the other is a believing, sincere 21st century secular, fundamentalist, progressive. There's no question in my mind who I'd be more terrified of. No question at all. And this is uh, what we're dealing with, which brings me to the second point, and uh, my— so uh, just to clarify, then, my first point I just want you to understand is that this is between two belief systems. It's not between a religion and a benign secularism. It's between two fervent but incompatible belief systems. The Judeo-Christian tradition, which uh, I am, for the purposes of the conversation, I want you to understand, includes uh, Religious and observant Jews, religious observant Christians, Catholics, and, yes, even Latter-day Saints, because for political purposes, uh, the the camp is made up of all those individuals. On the other side are 21st century secular progressives, and they have a belief and they have dogma. Uh, Each Each is a community of shared values. Each is a community of heresies and sacraments. Uh, What is the sacred sacrament of 21st century secular progressivism? Um, One of their sacred sacraments is recycling and the environment and climate change. These are sacraments of the left. You tamper or argue with these at your own peril. Uh, each of these belief systems, let us admit, the belief system of Judeo-Christian traditionalists and, on the other hand, 21st century secular progressives, um, each has its sacraments, each has its fanatics, each has its saints with halos and its devils with horns. And, of course, everyone knows the great Satan for the secular progressive On the left uh, is the great Satan Donald Trump, right? Uh, There is no question in my mind that if it is legitimate to disqualify a Catholic from public service, such as Brett Kavanaugh, and they knew they couldn't get him on that now because it failed when Dianne Feinstein tried that on Amy Coney Barrett, but if, if the left feels it is justified in disqualifying a candidate because they are a traditional Judeo-Christian committed person, then it is equally valid to disqualify a practicing progressive who is, after all, a creature of a belief system that is far closer to the intensity of Islamic jihad than it is to the tranquil and relatively benign position of Judeo-Christian traditionalists. Okay. Uh, Gosh. Okay, so I'll move to... Well, you know what we'll do. We'll go back um, to a little bit more of Susan Lappin, and then after that, I'll give you my second point. So again... Uh, for, for the purposes of this discussion, and this is valid and true anywhere and everywhere, uh, the, the important thing to grasp is that secularism is as much a belief system, as much a religion as Judaism or Christianity are as well, just as much. With the same set, they've got their community of belief They've got their shared values. They've got their dogmas, their heresies, their sacraments, their fanatics. They've got their saints and their uh, and their devils. And in that sense, it is absolutely a religion. And um, it's it's interesting that um, they not only have texts that they treat with great sanctity. Um, you know, Silent Spring. Uh, by Carson. They've also got books that they regard as heretical. Um, and I noticed that an amazing French novel from the 70s uh, called Camp of the Saints uh, by Raspail, very interesting novel, has now been identified as heretical by the left. And it's been called what's the worst thing you can call anyone or anything? A racist. The book is now called called Racist on the Left, and I dare say that uh, you would get into trouble reading that anywhere where you could be noticed reading it by people who have any sort of control over your life if those people are part of the secular left. It's been a very, very long time since anybody on the side of Judeo-Christian traditionalism has punished people because of the books they read. I, it's, it's been hundreds of years. It's been a long, long time. Uh, today, all book punish, punishing of people because of books they read is being done entirely in the religion among the practitioners and the devotees of the religion of 21st century secular progressivism. Okay, got it? All right, quick break. The website, rabbi com, And uh, as Susan pointed out, the, uh, the, the cell is on the uh, library packs, and you can read all about them at the, the website. You can also be in touch with us and uh, leave us a message, uh, which we see. And as many of you have discovered, I answer quite a lot of them. And uh, we'll
0: be back with you in just a minute. Your rabbi, don't go away. There's still more to come from Rabbi Daniel Lapid On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network. The country has been pushed to the limit. Our political bonds have been torn apart. We need a true leader who can save us from certain doom. (laughs) Unfortunately, we could only find this guy. Hey, it's Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck is coming live to talk about the right path forward and to make fun of the people standing in the way. He might not be able to save the country, but at least we can all go down laughing. Glenn Beck Live, the Addicted to Outrage Tour, on tour this fall. For tickets, VIP packages, and more, visit glennbeck.com with stories in the areas of family, friendship, faith, and finance. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, only on the Blaze Radio Network, On Demand.
2: Okay, your radio rabbi reminding you that the more that things change, the more we need to depend on those things that never change. And one of the things that never changes is that a man... Who has a close relationship and a collaborative relationship with his wife is much better off than a man who doesn't. And placing myself in that fortunate category, I once again welcome Susan Lappin back to uh, today's podcast. Um, Susan back to the, the Kavanaugh hearings, of course, and here is one of the things that the leftist tribe insists. They say you have to believe the woman because, after all, there's very little downside. You know, the guy was perfectly happy as a uh, senior judge, and so he won't be on the Supreme Court. He's still fine. But here's a woman who had her entire life upended. Speak to that.
1: Well— can I can I start with something a little different? I don't. I want to correct you in terms of, or not correct you, but suggest that when you say the leftist um, tribe, tribe, it's very easy for something to become a talking point these days. Republicans don't get this, by the way, politicians. It's incredible. You know, something happens, and you hear every single politician in the Democrat Party who gets a, says exactly the same thing, and Republicans are all over the place. Now, there's something very lovely about that. It suggests they think for themselves, but it's not very effective. Um, so I don't know whether this has been put out and now picked up by people. I I think there are many many women who honestly, honestly, um, have been victims of abuse or harassment and who are feeling this viscerally and emotionally and are not are not thinking politically. They they really are and I. I think there's a huge topic, and I think the Me Too movement has not done has maybe has done five percent favor by bringing it to light, but then became so negative and damaging that they've lost the ability to actually help. And the goal is we would like to move towards a society where men and women live together with more respect, with more concern, with more care for each other. The Me Too movement is no longer helpful on that. There, there, but that is not to say that there have not been problems and that there, there does not need to be a discussion. It's just that it became so hate-filled and so bullying and so negative that you lose the you lose the positive. So I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt to women who are saying, look, if this is true— then we're going to have a guy on the Supreme Court who morally is not fit to be on the Supreme Court. Let's leave to the side the question whether these people are going to be willing to say that about every 17-year-old. In other words... Or every
2: senator and And yes, Yes,
1: so so leave that to... That's another whole question, which is are you willing to make this the new standard? But they're saying if this is true, this man is morally unfit. If it's a lie or or a mistake, mistaken memory then he doesn't get a job, and he gets to go back to his nice job that he had, which was okay. He had a great life. And that, I I think, is a very um, naive view. This is a man who, whether he's on the Supreme Court or not, will have a cloud over him for the rest of his life, and Clarence Thomas does. You do not read anything about Clarence Thomas without the name Anita Hill.
2: Who, by the way, is still – Lionized, she's invited to be. There are people who believe her. There are people
1: who don't. And mm-hmm. uh, But this is now a cloud that has been over his head, and it remains over his head. And it will be, please God, in not for many many years, but it will be a main part of his obituary. Yeah. So this is not a man who goes back to his job and his life. He's had his reputation shredded. And there's, and secondly, what, what's worse is for the country. Again, I, I can. I can feel bad for Brett Kavanaugh and for his family, and I do, and I think there was a traumatized woman, you know, in Dr. Ford, and I, again, because I just don't think we're getting a whole honest story, I do not know, but giving her the benefit of the doubt that she has a memory that may be wrong, but it is her memory, I feel can feel bad for her, but You cannot weaponize. In other words, it's a a tremendously damaging thing for the country because you've now set forth that any female, and many men as well, have the ability to destroy a person they don't want by making an allegation for which there is no substantiation. And that is when I meant that I was crying because that is the shredding of the American system of justice. At that point, we go back to a system where... Basically, the bigger bully you are, the more power you have, you're going to win because you can totally um, put away other people. And I'm sorry, no one, I don't believe, can be naive enough not to think that everyone in the world is saintly and good and would never lie. I mean, if you do, you really have to start reading some history before you open your mouth again. But that's, that's the danger, that it's not that he won't get a job. It's that we've, we've destroyed the entire American system of justice. And I can I go on?
0: Of course. <laughs> <All> <laughs> I want to add like look it. the bottom
1: line is neither you nor I nor anyone in this country nor possibly Brett Kavanaugh or Dr. Ford, Justice Kavanaugh or Dr. Ford, know whether this truly happened or not. Certainly no one not there knows. That's that's just a reality. We don't know. On her side, the fact is that memory is incredibly fickle and unreliable. And a memory from 30 years ago, is you, you just don't have it. I mean, it just doesn't have – let's say at some point, let's give her honesty. Let's give her the basis that she's a good, honest, patriotic woman. The fact is it is so easy. How many times have you looked back, whether to a traumatic or a non-traumatic instance, and you have a memory – and then maybe it came 10 years after the event, maybe 12 years after the event, she all of a sudden put this person's name in it, it then builds in your mind so that you can honestly believe it. That doesn't make it true. Memory is not reliable in that way. It's a problem in justice in general, but it's, you know, you go back to... 36
2: years have elapsed.
1: So so she cannot know if she is telling the truth or not. She can believe it, but she may not even know it. And let's say that he was so stinking drunk and then felt guilty about it afterwards as a good boy, maybe he repressed it. That's a possibility. Maybe he doesn't know if it happened or not. But no one – in other so this is one of the actually comforting things of being a person of faith because there's only one entity who does know, and that is God. I think God is the only one in the world who actually but knows if it it happened or not. according to God's own
2: rules – this should never have come forward.
1: Exactly. And so that's comforting to me that when there's a miscarriage of justice, well it is going to get it is going to ultimately get straightened out because God does know the truth while we don't. However, we can only function on the level of earthly justice. And an earthly justice that would now not make him Supreme Court is not well, there's no big deal, he just missed the job. It means you've shredded the entire system of justice in the United States now, of America.
2: constitutionally, uh, we we have several factors. We have something called a statute of limitations, which means after 36 years. Number two, we have something called uh, rules of evidence, that uh, there needs to be evidence and, uh, and uh, it cannot be that somebody is destroyed by an accusation. Uh, these are things that are part of our constitution. Now, along come senators who are sworn to uphold that very constitution, and they are now um, bringing in a woman's accusation with no substantiation, not even any circumstantial evidence. And some people say, well, that's because this is not a court of law. This is a Senate hearing, and those rules don't apply. What is your response to that?
1: Well, exactly. You're right. They're not saying he should go to jail for it and that and so they are right. However, it is the you you have you've just destroyed the system of justice because the whole advice and consent is based on someone's reputation. And it's not was this person a felon or should this person be in jail? It's based on their on many things their 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 intellectual honesty and their integrity and their character. So it's too easy to destroy
2: that. See, I, I feel that uh, in America, whether it's at a parents teachers' association meeting, whether it's a uh, whether it's a Rotary club m- meeting, whether it's a little league meeting, almost everybody functions on these fundamental principles from 300 years of American jurisprudence and thousands of years of Western civilization. That um, there's a presumption of innocence. And so if somebody wants to take away that with an accusation, there needs to be evidence. Uh, It doesn't matter that this isn't a court of law. These are the ways we've always worked. And as as you said before, are we now wanting to enter a, a time in the United States where those rules no longer apply, particularly if the allegations are made by somebody from a preferred status in society, a woman? A, uh, a non-white,
1: a liberal woman, a because liberal woman. conservative women are, do not have preferred status in the society, Sorry. and
2: le- and conservative non-whites don't have preferred status, right?
1: As Justice Thomas found,
2: as as he found out as well. But um, but you know, is that is that where we're going now? That that these principles are shredded. And in any event, how how do people who we've elected to these positions, senators, how are they able to give? Um, word praise to the Constitution, looking very pious and sanctimonious, and yet when it comes to it, they're operating entirely on a basis of emotionalism and political expediency.
1: You know, and I think that is the, um, look, the bottom line is that if they had truly wanted truth, then Diane Feinstein would not have sat on this for weeks. And that – I think that was damning for a lot of people, that if you really were seeking truth, then that's not – you know, it was clear they were not seeking truth. They were seeking, as the judge said, to search and destroy. They were not seeking truth. They didn't want truth. They And that's why they kept the timing and the allegation um, when they couldn't f- stop him in any other reasonable way. Is and there a childlike faith
2: in the FBI? Um, which is funny. No, because the
1: FBI is a delay tactic. They know that's only a delay tactic.
2: And in any event, hasn't, there, hasn't the FBI been tarnished uh, during the, <laughs> oh, the last couple slightly. of years? I'd say slightly, yes,
1: you might say Severely, so. Severely, right? Severely.
2: Um, and so uh, it's, it's disappointing when even some thoughtful people say, well, we need an FBI investigation. You this can't is investigate non, This personally. is non-attainable. Quite frankly,
1: I think there are a lot of people who have their murder out there that have not been solved. If they can do, solve something from 36 years ago Let that happened in a room it. with no evidence anywhere, I'd be rather impressed.
2: And uh, are we really going to now introduce a standard whereby we are allowed to go and probe the high school years of every sitting senator?
1: Well, I think one of the things, and again, Judge Kavanaugh said this, that part of this is intimidation. It's youth, you, you know, how, uh, just imagine, imagine the next... Uh, it's very possible there will be another Supreme Court opening. A lot of the justices are old on the older side. One shall can we say. but hope? Well, if it's the right ones. Sorry, there's my partisanship coming out. But um, it's very possible there will be another opening. How, how, and how yeah, quickly? What sort of
2: person is going to be willing willing to, to, to subject not
1: only themselves, their families, friends? their friends, their reputation? Who's going to th- – who's and whose wife is going or husband is going to say, sure, go ahead. I don't be, mind being put through a shredder. Uh,
2: I Justice, don't mind having Justice my life Clarence, destroyed. Justice Clarence Thomas said uh, in an interview, which I just recently saw on the li- online, he said back in 91 to Senator Orrin Hatch, he said, had I known what was in store for me, I would have said thank you, but no thank you. I would exactly. not have accepted the nomination. And
1: so that's why – I mean, I, I think that the – Look, you know that I have my moments with the Republican Party. I have not. I, you've heard me be emotional, emotionally. And, oh, hardly. No, no, no. A lot actually. Words like "craven" and "quizzling" and unpleasant words about them have um, come past my lips because I found them very, very frustrating. I, I do find them very, very frustrating. And, however. Every single person who loves this country, I think, has to go out and vote for the Republican who is running in whatever seat they have the ability to vote for, even if that got, that person is, if they can't stand them and they they're, they feel they're weak, and the, because the uh, you can't let that balance of power go because you would really have a. A political party that is out of control as a bully, and it bothers me that Lois Lerner is not in jail, and it bothers me. Just
2: remind people who Lois Lerner is. You
1: know, this, the under the Obama administration, the IRS admittedly now discriminated, and it, and it was more. Than
2: that. it was weaponized. Weaponized the IRS. Groups.
1: Somebody yeah. should be in jail. And when you talk about a deep state, yes, I believe. And you know, yesterday was it, um, Lindsey Graham? It was Lindsey Graham, I believe, yes. exploded right. It was his
2: finest moment, really. Wait, was
1: it Lindsey Graham? There's another guy, was it? it Who said, I'm a, you know, I've considered these people friends. And I'm saying, hi, why weren't you listening to me for the past five or 10 years? I've been telling you that this is a war. I think, so I'm very pleased that he, look, it was a great speech, and I'm pleased he came to it. But the fact is, he's just getting this now. Like, what bubble has he been living under? Why does he think Trump was elected? And so I will say, I did not vote for John McCain for president because I thought he would – there are a lot of reasons. I thought he would be a terrible, terrible president. Just to clarify, clarify, you you didn't
2: vote for Obama either. I
1: did not vote for President Obama either. And in the state I was voting, I knew that it would not make a difference. But the popular vote makes a difference. It does. It makes a difference in people's minds. I could not bring myself to vote for John McCain. I – there are other times I have not voted for the Republican. If John McCain, who I really, as an as a politician, I, as a politician, I despise the man. If he was alive and running, and I had the ability to vote for him this November, I'm afraid I would vote for him because it is so important that Republicans win this November. And so, no matter how disappointed I am in somebody, I, look, I'm very disappointed in Lindsey Graham that it took this. To, con- to for him to understand what's been going on in the world, something that I think a lot of conservatives have understood for many years now, I would still vote for him because even though I'm disappointed in him and I feel that he's made a lot of bad mistakes, the the alternative I, I do think this is a war and you just yeah. you, you have to support your side.
2: Um, Susan, great having yeah. you. You get uh, you, you get your last <laughs> word now and your and your last shameless commercial plug.
1: Well, I don't have a last word because um, I'm calmer today.
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I really should have taped this with you yesterday. No,
1: because I was crying. I went to been I, I I couldn't speak. I couldn't eat, and I couldn't speak. I was really um, uh, very, very emotional yesterday. As as I say, as many many people I know were. Um, so I'm going to say to wish to we are you know wish everyone well and just ask you to please do go to our website again and look at look at our library pack complete library pack plus I think I I do think they're amazing and I realize I'm subjective but I think they are an amazing value with amazing material and if if you are not going to be able to take advantage of each and every item I can pretty much guarantee that there is someone in your life who would find it such a blessing to get one of these pieces, and this is a, a tremendous value. And thank you. Thank you for sticking with us through this month as we were constantly opening and closing, um, answering emails from our office was opening and closing. It was hard to get in touch with us. I'm sure some things slipped through the cracks. So we do appreciate, we appreciate um, each and every one of you who, who listens, who sometimes argue with us, sometimes have different viewpoints, and as long as it's expressed politely and respectfully, we very much appreciate that. Um, and I will go off to do what, now what I have to do because I really got nothing done yesterday. So I yes, have to I know. Susan, Susan is
2: behind with your Shabbat preparations. Very much. And uh, so we're going to release you and let you get back to that. And uh, I will be
0: back with you in just a moment. You're listening to Rabbi Daniel Lappin on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Find more at TheBlaze.com slash radio. Revealing how the world really works. This is Rabbi Daniel Lapin On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.
2: We're back, everybody, and uh, yes, the Rabbi Daniel Lapin Show. I hope you enjoyed uh, me introducing Susan on the show as much as I did. Uh, as I think you all know, we work very, very closely together. And um, we uh, collaborate on our uh, spiritual and intellectual products that you can purchase in our store. We collaborate on those um, every bit as much as we collaborated on uh, our children, raising our children and uh, bringing them into the world. Uh, These these are our products, and uh, they are there and available for you. And so... Uh, doing some part of the show together with her uh, appealed to me very much indeed. But uh, as always, you are the jury. Okay, so um, what are we going to uh, do? Well, um, I told you during the uh, earlier segment in which I spoke myself, uh, I I wanted to speak about the fact that uh, modern 21st century secular progressivism is as much a religion... As Judeo-Christian traditions are religions, just as much accepting. They are much more uh, doctrinaire, much more violent, much more dedicated, and much more ruthless in wiping out what they perceive as heresy. Uh, Destroying a man like uh, Judge Brett Kavanaugh, well, sure, why not? We did it before with a man called Judge Clarence Thomas. And, yeah, sure, we did it before with a man called Judge Robert Bork. You might remember the ridiculousness of a Ted Kennedy, a degenerate troglodyte like Ted Kennedy, lecturing Judge Robert Bork, another Catholic I might mention, uh, and who was basically destroyed. Um, Clarence Thomas said very eloquently uh, in comments to, uh, uh, to Senator Orrin Hatch that had he had any idea of the lynching, as he called it, the high-tech lynching that was given to any black who dared to step off the reservation, as he put it, uh, he never would have allowed his nomination to go forward. He never would have undergone it. But wait a second. I want to now tell you the second timeless truth that is as applicable to your family as it is to your business as it is to national politics. And uh, again, I acknowledge the many, many listeners who are regular listeners to this show from many countries around the world. And I get a real kick out of that. I really appreciate it. Uh, you're in Brazil, you're in Pakistan, you're in China, you're in almost every – well, not every country in Africa, but you are in Zimbabwe, you're in Zambia, you're in South Africa, you are in uh, Ivory Coast, you are in Ghana, you are in Nigeria, uh, you are in Kenya, uh, you are in Uganda – Many, many countries there, Australia, New Zealand. All right, I, I, there's not a geographic show off. But anyway, as you can tell, I, I do enjoy it, and I do get a kick out of it. And I just want to stress for you listening from far away, this is not a show about American politics. Uh, it's about the timeless truths and permanent principles of ancient Jewish wisdom, which explain and help us understand what's going on in American politics, but they are just as applicable in your business in Ghana, and your family in Christchurch, New Zealand and in the politics of the United States and to a large extent of Western Europe as well. And here's the principle. The principle is that very seldom does one single event provide the explanation for major damage. In other words, there are exceptions. As I said, when Hitler invaded uh, France, well, France is, didn't actually cease to exist. But, but the, when Hitler invaded certain countries in Europe, like Belgium, it, for all intents and purposes, in Czechoslovakia, Austria, they ceased to exist as independent countries. And that was just a moment. Now, even there, this principle applies, but it applies all the time in other situations. And that is that it's not one single moment that causes the explosive blow-up. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long sequence of little things that you ignored. Let me give you an example. Let's say it's your family. And uh, I happen to be visiting, and um, your child is making a noise at the dinner table where all the adults are trying to have dinner. And you say to your child... Um, I told you to stop doing that. And then, again, stop that. And then a third time, stop that. And then finally, you jump up, you red in the face, you grab your kid and say, I told you four times to stop that. Now I'm going to take you off to your room. And you march off and the kid's screaming and you dump him in the room and you slam the door and you come back to the table still huffing and puffing and the kid's wailing in the distance there. This... Is not because of something that happened on this day at that dinner table. I can tell you that without even looking, without having ever been in this family's home before, I can tell you that for a long time, probably years already, you know, certainly since the child was one or one years old, perhaps, um, this particular father, most likely the mother as well, have been untruthful to the child they've they've said to the child if you don't stop this you'll be in trouble but nothing happens "Eh, you better stop this if you don't stop this you're going to be punished tomorrow they keep making statements and warnings and threats that are never carried out you can hardly blame the child for not believing them when they say you must stop doing this now because all the evidence that they've experienced in their short lives is to the contrary hasn't happened You've got to be truthful with your children. Never point an unloaded gun at your child. Meaning, <laughs> I can just see how that little segment's going to be taken out of context, right? Somebody will strip that out of the show say, Rabbi Daniel Lappin says never point an unloaded gun at your child. Make sure the gun you point at your child is loaded. <laughs> no, the point is don't make empty threats. Okay? You have to be truthful. And so it's clear to me that although the father says, oh, I really have to apologize for having that big blow up at the table, my child just got to me. No, 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 no. This was nothing about what happened today. This is about something that's been going on for the past four years, five years, however long it is. It doesn't make any difference, whatever it is. That's the important thing to to really grasp and, and catch on. Um, and so it is in a business as well. Um A business all of a sudden, you know, has some kind of crisis. Oh, today was this huge problem that threatens our business. Uh, You know, I've spoken a number of times about uh, Tesla and Elon Musk. And it so happened, I mean, as you you know, you know what date I'm recording this, September the 28th, 2018, because I told you. But uh, you know that on previous shows I've been speaking for a long time. I've been writing as well, saying here are the reasons that uh, while a Tesla car itself – might be very uh, nice indeed, uh, Tesla stock, a whole lot less so. And I've given the reason. Now, again, let's imagine, well, okay, today uh, today the SEC um, um, basically sued Elon Musk for making a false statement that he had financing for a, a buyback of stock. Uh, it wasn't true. There was no way it was true. And uh, not surprisingly, the stock's taken a hit all the way down. Uh, What is Elon Musk worth to the value of the stock of Tesla?
0: You know, I'm not an
2: expert at this kind of valuation, but I will say that I'm pretty sure, in my mind, it's more than $100. And so – and I think the market is is likely to agree with that. And so if it becomes um, likely to the market – that Elon Musk is not going to be able to continue as the head of Tesla. Uh, I'm sure the stock will take a knock of at least $100, probably a bit more than that as well. But uh, the point is, if anybody then says, do you know it was September the 28th, 2018, when Tesla was fu- was was hit with this huge problem that threatened the, the viability of the company? No. The company has been threatened by certain aspects of Elon Musk, um, for years already I've pointed them out, I've written, I, I wrote a thought tool uh, more than a year ago, no, two years ago I want to say, uh, I wrote a thought tool about uh, the the problems having to do with Elon Musk, comparing it to certain aspects of the construction of the temple by Solomon uh, in Prophets. Anyways, uh, the, the point is, don't think that things just happen on a particular day, and that's the whole problem. It's always worthwhile looking backwards and finding out root causes. And so, um, look, uh, am I am I taking it a little bit far to go all the way back to 1692? <laughs> uh, maybe. It's possible. But in the interest of making the point, why don't I go all the way back to the Salem witch trials? And we're talking about 1692. All right, so um, gosh, uh, we're talking about less than a hundred years before the Constitution, before the United States became the United States, but we're already, you know, a fairly—it's I mean, a sophisticated place already—and and nonetheless, five women in the summer of 1692 are hanged for being witches. And what did what did the what was the evidence for this? Um, well, one witness claimed that one of the women had appeared to her as a black, a black cat. Another witness testified that uh, one of these witches came invisibly and rearranged the furniture in their house. Um, another witness um, insisted that the spirit of one of the defendants pulled down my head behind a chest of drawers and tied my hands together and almost choked me to death. That, that, was, that was claimed in spirit form. Um, other witnesses blamed the defendants for the death of cows or uh, for causing objects to fly up into trees. Uh, the judge at the time, talking 1692, his name was William Stoughton, uh, he admitted all this garbage into evidence, and these hysterical fantasies had very real consequences, right? As I mentioned, five of these women were hanged in the summer of 1692. And so uh, this, this, this is early, and yet this indeed took place. Back in 1979, there was the uh, prosecution of the women who ran the McMartin Preschool in Southern California. Um, it's unbelievable. There were claims, children claimed that they were being abused in underground tunnels under the school. They, they told stories of molestation in hot air balloons. And um, it, it's unbelievable because there were no tunnels, there were no hot air balloons. And anybody who reads the transcripts of these cases can see how social workers had made up their minds that these children never lie. Children must always be believed. And, um, and questions were phrased and rephrased, and every time they finally got the child to say something they wanted, they wrote it down, and there was totally out-of-control prosecutors who, by the way, destroyed people's lives. The McMartins spent time in jail years until finally— uh, it was proven that this was complete fabric. It was literally, this was the Salem witch trials all over again, excepting in this case, um, it was uh, preschool workers who were accused of these horrible things. Look, these things never happened, and um, they people were released after their lives were destroyed. In Massachusetts, um, the Amaralt family for 20 years, had been running this admirable daycare center. Uh, everybody – everything was good. And then again, they started a prosecution, aggressive and ambitious prosecutors. Some built their careers on this, by the way, I've got to tell you. Um, the uh, – it was absolutely incredible. Violet Amaral and her children uh, spent years in jail. Why? Because the children were being interrogated by social workers who were coming up with the most preposterous stories that couldn't possibly have happened. And um, I mean, no, nobody ever actually, no adult ever saw anything going on. The, uh, the dungeons they described don't exist. Nonetheless, um, people, people's lives were destroyed. I, I, I really commend to your attention uh, the McMartin case in 79 in California, the Amaralt, A-M-I-R-A-U-L-T, in Massachusetts in the 80s. Where, the, If you read the transcripts of these cases as I did, you are literally you, – you're going to weep. Uh, you're, you're not going to believe that s- people's lives were destroyed by the tyranny of the state and the willingness – to buy into things that are completely I mean, unconstitutional. It's just not there. You, you, you can't do it, but we did. And once again, continuing. I guess my point is that um, this didn't all happen on September the 27th 2018. It started with the witch trials when uh, – Back then, there wasn't a constitution, but there was British law, and uh, there was uh, the McMartin case and the Emerald case, total treading, trampling over the constitution. Um, there was the, the Duke Lacrosse case, right? Remember, women never lie about rape. Remember that story? Uh, do yourself a favor and just just Google to find uh, more cases than you can possibly want, of uh, um, <clears throat> of women who have lied about her. it's totally understandable. I mean, it's such a, it's, it, it it ranges from uh, next day regrets to all kinds of things, um, uh, retribution for perceived wrongs, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, all kinds of things. But just take a look at what has happened: the history in the United States of the Constitution being trampled when people's emotions get involved. It didn't just happen yesterday, and I just I think it's important uh, for us to fully understand exactly what the danger is, what is going on here, and so um, yeah, uh, it's applicable to everybody. Uh, there are only two countries in which a majority of the population still strongly believe in a constitution that is either scriptural or scripturally based. Right? It's Israel and America. Uh, Israel, the, the, the Israel doesn't have a constitution, although there's, there's talk of it. The reason it'll never happen is because, to the majority of citizens of Israel, the constitution is scripture. That is the, the constitution of the Jewish people. Uh, the um, Israel, like the United States has another religion as well. No, not Islam. Islam isn't the problem so much as the um, 21st century secular progressivism. That exists in Israel as well, and the civil war in Israel is just as serious as the war between um, Jew and Muslim, just as serious, and again, it's the same sort of problem. So in Israel and the United States, there are scripturally-based constitutions, and Here we watch the danger when that Constitution gets trampled, where people's lives are damaged. So, yes, go back. Do yourself a favor. Read about the witch trials. Read about the McMartin preschool case. Read about the Amaral case. Read um, about the sort of things that were said to Judge Robert Bork, particularly by Ted Kennedy. Don't you think if this rule of what people did from the age of 17 onwards should disqualify them for public service— don't you think we should change the name of any public monument in America named after the Kennedys? I don't think we should call Idlewild – uh, Idlewild. what was the airport? What was John F. Kennedy, JFK Airport in Queens name before they renamed it Kennedy? I don't think it was Idlewild. But at any rate, it should go back to its original name, shouldn't it? Because this is the new rule. We're ignoring the Constitution – and imposing hysterical emotionalism. Uh, The senator, Maisie Hirono from Hawaii, that a woman must be heard and believed. I understand their logic, right? It's called restorative justice. There wasn't justice yesterday. Listen to some of the absolutely depressing and depraved pronouncements by Senator Cory Booker. Uh, The... uh, Pathetic patriarchy of America. It's time to undo that. Therefore, women must be believed automatically. No, nobody should be believed automatically, no matter what your gender, no matter what your skin color, no matter what your economic class. No, that's why we have a constitution. But we are watching something very serious taking place. And even if you live in New Zealand or Pakistan or Zimbabwe or Afghanistan, these things eventually do affect you. As well. Anyway, that, my dear friends, is as far as we go on today's show. Uh, do be in touch at our website, rabbidaniellappin.com. Let me know um, how you feel and uh, how you react to this show and what you'd like to, anything particularly you'd like to see discussed on future shows. You know I do want to hear from you. Uh, meanwhile, until next week, it is me, your rabbi, Rabbi Daniel Lappen wishing you Good times in all your relationships, in all the four critical areas of life. Faith, friendships, family,
0: and finance. God bless. Ancient solutions to modern problems. This is Rabbi Daniel Lappin, On Demand, on the Blaze Radio Network.